This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe ventilation system exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe ventilation system. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Hey, how's it going? And welcome to Nerdificent. I'm your host, if you are and sitting across from me, as always, Eels. Danny Fernandez. Yeah. And, uh, you know, feeling good. You know, we're, we're, we're deep into Black History Month. We're in the second week. Oh, did you like that Google ad? Oh, oh. I watched it so many times. Which one? It was Google put out this ad. Uh, I think it came out the week of the Super Bowl. And it was like the most the most Googled performance, it was Beyonce, the most Googled athlete, it was LeBron, the most Googled, I think musician or something was Prince. The mo- it was just like showing like, it, these are all black artists yeah. that like have, have taken over, you know, and just iconic history makers. Yeah. It was really neat. I'll send it to you. Yeah. That's so dope. Well, uh, yeah. So, you know, I wanted to do something special this year for black history month and kind of like sp- Shine a spotlight on, I think, one of the most influential black people in comics, which is Dwayne McDuffie and his legacy, which was, you know, uh, way more than just him, but Milestone Comics. And Milestone Comics, uh, you know, with just the TLDR before we really jump into it, was this initiative by DC that, like, allowed for just black people <laughs> like they're like here we'll give you a space to run with it so you know uh, I, whenever i want to do something black i i have a very short list of friends who i come to first and you know on the top of that list is ed greer for you've seen him on new negroes on comedy central you have a new rebooted show we'll talk about at the end and you know all over screen junkies and the nerd goat podcast which we've both been on how you doing guys thank you so much for having me 
me back. Uh, you yeah, know, I, I wanted to come back, and uh, you know, I, I'm glad this is the perfect subject yeah. to kind of bring me back into the fold. Oh yeah. No. So Ify, what was your? Because I was on the Nerd Go, I was on Ed's podcast talking about my goat, which is Vegeta. And I will give you one guess. Was yours Goku? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did he come on before or no, I came after, after, after me? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, big the, shoes to fill. Oh uh, yeah. Actually, little tiny, you. little yeah. tiny pointed shoes to fill. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. No. It's. I've been. Uh, yeah. It's been interesting getting back into anime because I remember the deepest I was in anime. I was kind of in, um, and I didn't realize this until yes, this morning when I was watching a bunch. But like, I've like since we did Krillin, it was when I kind of started watching DBZ again, and that's when I kind of watched a little bit of um, a DB Super. And then I was kind of watching uh, Attack on Titan and One Punch Man, but I was kind of out of, out of you know, the loop wise because I it was came up in a discussion. Essentially, like I was, I'm the only one who liked anime in my last relationship. So like when you watch things together, oh, yeah. you tend to just watch the default thing. And I think slowly and slowly anime became less a thing. I watch it now. Like I'm watching so much anime. Uh and it was one of those things where I got hooked. And now me and Brody are on our crunchy roll account. And it's funny it. because I can see what Brody is, wa- what is watching. He, do you want to out him? Oh yeah. He's right now he he's watching Dragon Ball Super and I was like a little thug to you. I was like, all right Brody. Aww. But yeah, he's been watching that and he was watching Samurai Pizza Cats at yes. one point. Yes, oh my gosh. Huh. Yeah, he's he's like going in the deep dive because, you know, he's also learning Japanese. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, right now I'm going through Mob Psycho Season 2, catch up on My Hero, and then I'm going to start Gintama. Mm. So I think that's a good way to say that's what I'm geeking out about this week is anime. I'm deep in it. Yeah. What about you, Ed? What are you geeking out about? Oh, man. That's why I asked you guys before. No, this you is can say be... anything. No, you know what? I like to start problematic. Um, <laughs> I am from Kansas City, so I think you know okay. what it is. Oh, that's a big deal and for I you. Know we're on the nerd show, but oh, wow. I mean, 50... wait, were you born in Kansas City? Yes, I was also born in Kansas City. Really? Yeah, I never knew that. This all, all these years. I know. All I don't. I'm years. sorry. I have no lineage to it because my right. dad just lived there for a year, like with a job. Like he got a job out there, and we were there for a year, and that was the year that I was made and born. <laughs> Oh, you got and minted. Then they left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that is where I was born. But no, uh, but just I was I lived in Kansas City until I was a grown ass man and moved out here to pursue my dreams. So my whole childhood, we were like, I, the bottom line is when you like sports, right? When you like sports, it's one of these things where you identify with these guys, these pituitary cases, pushing each other around, ducking on each other, whatever the sport is. You identify with this. And we weren't bad like the Cleveland Browns, where we would never win, right, right, and right. there was no chance. We were like, ugh, <laughs> ugh. every time we were just so close, where we just had one side of the ball wasn't good enough, all this kind of stuff. So now, the least problematic Native American name, oh yeah, oh my gosh, <laughs> in the in the world, the yeah. Kansas City, at least they're the Kings, yeah, you know. Oh man. So, uh-huh. so, but uh, so yeah, I uh, my Chiefs. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy that they won. I'm very happy that they're biracial quarterback. Yeah. Won. <laughs> I'm very glad, know. you know. He's so young. Yeah. The youngest, right? Quarterback mm-hmm. ever yeah. to win the Super Bowl. Well, yep. And uh and I think the youngest MVP, but I might I'm not yeah. that into it, but like yeah. But yeah, that was what was wild is we were at my house when we were watching the game. Jaquise wanted to throw it. Everyone was like 
who's your wait did he want to throw it at your house yeah, yeah. wow because he came to my carol fest that <laughs> Jackie's, i had that's hilarious that you you offered up somebody else's house <laughs> wow well i mean he came ah. through it was so funny because <laughs> i laughed and i meant to text you this but this like this party was how i knew jakees was type a and i was me because i was like yep we're gonna get a bunch of food and when the food gets here i'm gonna buy the food of the day of and jakees is like all right i'm I'm pre-ordering the pizza so that it arrives right at the second quarter. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Type A people are great. Oh my gosh. They get yeah. stuff done. <laughs> but yeah, we is but it was great. It came together. But when we were there, you know, I'm a Saints guy and Jaquise, he's from Chicago, so he's a Bears guy. But we were like, yeah, we're going for the black quarterback. That's mm-hmm. the that's the team we're going for. And it was so funny because like Teresa Lee was there who is a uh, 49ers fan because she's from the Bay. Like she was the only person there who was repping her team and everyone else was like, no, nah, we just want the black quarterback to win. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, and I got to say, it, it goes just the tiniest bit beyond that. Just for me, because like I said, bottom line, sports, 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 whatever, boring. But like when you're when you're from a crappy little town. Yeah. And, you know, not not Kansas City, but when you're when you're from a place that nobody cares about. Yeah. And then you the whole world has to watch you. For three hours, you know that's that's yeah. how I felt. I felt like the whole mm-hmm. world had to watch my boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were all like, "Ah, this is boring. That's San Francisco. This San Francisco. That." And like, my girlfriend is down with San Francisco, and I'm like, "Look, <laughs> I ain't trying to Bernie Sanders you, but it need to be some redistribution of these chips. You know what I'm saying? Some redistribution of these championships need to take place. Some wealth reallocation of these wow. championships, son. You know what I'm saying? So you need to relax yeah. and, and vote for these young chiefs. Thank you very much. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, that was a great game. What about you, Danny? What oh, you... the thing I'm geeking out about is uh, Hair Love, which our friend Whoop. Matthew Cherry Whoop. actually yeah. wrote, produced, and directed. Yeah. Which uh, so we are recording this Saturday, the day before the Oscars. It's nominated for an Oscar, and it's a short. If you haven't seen it yet, I think you can catch it online. We saw it in theaters because it ran before Sony actually picked it up. He did a Kickstarter that was very successful. Sony Pictures Animation picked it up and it aired before Angry Birds 2. And that's how huh. Iffy and I saw it. Um, but it's nominated for an Academy Award. And uh, so the, you're listening to this after the awards have already aired. And I'm I'm hoping that he had the best time. And, and I know that it won. So I'm just going to go ahead and put that energy out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's this great. is the pod where we're saying congratulations, Matthew, on that. It is. Yep, yep, yep. So you got uh, that statue. The the story follows a dad who has to do his daughter's hair for the first time. Um, Issa Rae is also in it. Uh, it's great. And I'm excited for Matthew and his whole team to be at the Academy Awards. Oh, well, guess it's time to jump in it today. So, like I said, we're talking about milestone comics. And this this if I think. If anything, you may know about Milestone, even if you don't think you know about Milestone, Mm. which is, you know about Static. And that was a product of the Milestone comics era. Uh, So, uh, I mean, what before we even get into this, what's Mm. what's your experience with Milestone? Because you were you were hyped. You're like, this is this is my jam. No, you put it out on Twitter. You was like, yeah, man, I talk to some black creators and comic creators (laughs) and stuff. We go talk about some milestones. I'm gonna just field these offers. And then I saw what was coming back, and I was like, what? (laughs) Wait, wait, are the people replying? Well, I I think I I don't know. I probably jumped it even before anybody could reply. You know, the fact that there weren't in one nanosecond. 
five billion people on there just was an affront yeah. to my sensibility. Oh yeah, yeah. Which, okay. by the way, I want to say that we just shout out. We had Clee, your partner, on yeah. for the Planets episode, and that was someone immediately who, when she, I like posted, and I'm like, who knows? And she's like, I cannot believe you didn't ask me. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you're right. I am sorry. But I, I think I, I guess we're an insistent couple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I y'all are a knowledgeable couple. Y'all are like nerd couple girls. Uh, yeah, you're like nerd nerd couple royalty. You know what? After we break up, I'll remember these. <laughs> <laughs> I'll remember these laudatory statements while I'm with some bubblehead that doesn't know anything. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think they issue you one when you get on, right? So yeah. the bottom the bottom line is, I I no, I, I love her and she gets everything I'm talking about. Uh, but Milestone was before even her experience with comics or whatever. So Milestone to me is like kind of my childhood. Like when I was like in Boy Scouts, we would go out in the woods and do the Boy Scout jazz. But when it came nighttime, we bust out the flashlights and read or whatever. I would have I would have this Milestone comic. My friend would have another one. One would have an X-Men. One would have this. We have a little library in the tent reading. Right. I'm going to put a pause on that because... I just learned something about you, and I don't want to move past it. You were in the Boy Scouts? Dude, I, I was a senior patrol leader, so <laughs> I was doing it. Dog. See, that's another black history moment right there. A black man in the Boy Scouts. We Dude, gotta... Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. Them shorts was no joke. Wow. Do you have pics? Uh, pics? Oh, no. No. I would never allow... I'm gonna, I'm gonna I bet your mom's Facebook. Uh, uh, I bet your mom's Facebook does. Yeah. She has an album that's like my children or something, yep. and you're in there. Yep. Well, not at the bottom line. Well, Boy, Boy Scouts, honestly, for me, it was like my mom really did try to get me out in the woods and stuff. You know, uh, to leave her alone so she could mack on some dudes. Now, uh, <laughs> basically, she, you know, it was she trying to get me, you know, to live outside the urban experience, so called. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? See the trees. You yeah. know, because she grew up in Higginsville, Missouri, with a uh, fishing and hunting and all this kind of mm-hmm. jazz. So she wanted me to get down with it. But honestly. It just taught me about like uh, you can make anything not fun <laughs> wow. with, with the improper leadership. So, yeah, I became a senior patrol leader. and stuff. I never got a boy, uh, Eagle Scout because by the time I was about to get Eagle Scout, I was like maybe 15 and I started driving and stuff. And as soon as you got a car, Boy Scouts is done. Yeah, you, know, you got something add better to do every weekend, every mm-hmm. night. You got something better to do. See, for us California LA kids, that was skateboarding. Everyone was on skateboards. Mm-hmm. Then when you got the whip, and that's that's when the real skaters were made. Like, are you skating to more skate spots? <laughs> or are you tossing that because that was your mode of transportation? Exactly, Mundo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so bottom line, uh, milestone to me, uh, and Method Man has talked about this. A lot of people who are big in the '90s, like grown people in the '90s, have talked about this. When you could go into a comic book store and see four, five, six, eight black or so-called minority-led comics all under the DC banner right next to X-Men, right next to everything. You don't have to go into the back near the porn where yeah. some – and I'm not trying to diss those comics. A yeah. lot of black creators got mad at Milestone when they first came out because Milestone was like – it would be like if you and I try to make a comic, you and me, mm-hmm. and then Danny goes, gets on DC – and we try to make a comic, and Danny's comic on DC is blowing up. So she's yeah. a minority, we're minorities, but her minority comics is blowing up. Yeah. And we mad because we don't have that infrastructure. Yeah. That's what was starting to happen with, with Milestone when they first came out. But no negatives aside, when we were when we were kids, we didn't know about all that. All yeah. we knew was, this is the first time I'm going to look at these comics. And it wasn't black for black's sake. It was like, these people happen to be black mm-hmm. the same way Superman and Batman and Aquaman and Wonder Woman and, and, and just happen to be white. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, and they weren't just black comics. They had the first gay com the gay, the mm-hmm. first gay character I ever saw in a comic book was in one of those. The first, uh, 
Yeah, the the first lesbian relationship I ever saw was in there. The first interracial relationship I saw that wasn't inflected with all this extracurricular bullcrap. It was just a matter of fact relationship was in those comics. So that's kind of what it meant to me just as a primer for us is that it was the first time I could see blackness as not like some people have called them the blackity black comics. And that's not true. Yeah, they were diverse. Mm-hmm. And, and what they say, uh, uh, equality seems like oppression when you're yeah. not used to it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's and I want to. This is a good time to inject this. I think I might have said it on an earlier episode, and I want to keep talking about this. But just this is an era. This was from an era like the '90s, where a time where if you had black lead or black, you know, uh, things that featured a lot of people of color or minorities, it was interminority here's thing. It was a black movie. That was a black comedy, right. and. And people would treat it as if like, oh, I'm 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 not black, so I'm not going to watch it when it's like, no, we don't we don't look at media and go, oh, that's a white that's a white thing. We're not going to watch it. We Mm -hmm. watch it just the same. So why is all of a sudden now it's this red light? And I think that really did kind of hurt a lot of movies and why we started lying to ourselves when that industry lie went that we couldn't have black leads because they wouldn't sell overseas. Mm-hmm. And now uh, we've disproven that time and time again, but I'm sure some people are still trying to stick to that lie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you, I, I think about uh, tales from the hood. I don't know if you've watched it again recently, but that movie is a movie that if it came out now would seem like a, a, a get out, you yeah. know, because it is a horror movie that the horrors of the movie are things that were affecting the black community the first uh the first uh story was a police brutality the second domestic violence Mm -hmm. the third um you know just a racist uh like um politician Mm -hmm. and played by corbin burnson yeah. Which was hilarious oh, yeah. to see, like the dude from LA Law getting getting trampled by black ghost <laughs> oh, man. creatures. Well, well, funny enough, uh, you know, we talked about it on Who Shot You and Joel, our researcher, uh, who's also been on the show, friend of all all different parts. She brought up that that movie came out a year after Jeff Sessions almost won. Um, wow. Or not Jeff Sessions. The, who's the other KKK? David Duke. Mm. When he almost won um, the presidency. And it's like, wow, we almost had a KKK Grand Wizard as a president. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's and now for- we just have a closeted one. <laughs> Sick burn. There you go. There you go. There's boom. One don't more, at me. I one, don't care. One more one star review. <laughs> uh, Why uh, is my hood orange? Yeah. <laughs> Specifically. Uh, because he's doing a hate monger cosplay. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oof. You Oof. notice how there's never any nice mongers? Yeah, yeah. Except for cheese mongers. Yeah, yeah. They call people make cheese cheese mongers yeah. and fish mongers, I guess. But everything else, hate monger, fear monger, kill monger. Yeah, mongers get a bad rap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is so funny. Do misers. That, that like black Heat miser, snow miser. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a, you know what? I'm sorry, we've already pushed our limits. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, let's hop into it. So, Milestone Comics launched in 1993 and closed in 1997. It was a black owned and created comic book company that sought to make comics that capture the complexities of black life. In other words, there's not one kind of black person in these books, capturing all of those nuances, subtleties, and complexities allowed an opportunity for young black readers to see their lives reflected in superheroes. The character were allowed to be humorous, serious, or even arrogant in their demeanor without fear of stereotyping or typecasting. Yep. And uh, that's one of the main things that I got out of when I first started looking at it. And I, it's not necessarily a correction to what you said earlier, Ify, but it's like, 
It isn't that DC was just thinking about, hmm, let me go ahead and see how I can give these black creators some kind of... No, that was not the case. Dennis Cowan had become sort of a star artist at DC, Mm -hmm. so there was that in. Dwayne McDuffie had done a little work for Marvel and and some work for them as well, so they were kind of in the machine. However, what happened was uh, Dwayne and Christopher Priest wrote a lot of the background stuff, the guy who reinvented uh, Black Panther. Uh, basically, uh, Dwayne, uh, Derek Dingle, Michael uh, Davis, somebody else I'm forgetting right now, uh, they got together as a collective and made a comic book universe like on spec and then walked it into DC's offices. And to DC's credit, they didn't just throw the fools out the window like after Foley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were like, hmm, because they had done so much work. So it just, uh, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but it, it shows you how much pre- preparation. Also, some history that I want to add to it and what mm-hmm. might have helped their cause is this launched in 1993, which was one year after Image Comics launched, mm. which oh, means yeah, that was yeah, one yeah. year where they watched some of the top comic yep. creators right. dip out because they did. So I think DC was like, oh, we. We don't want Image Comics Part Two. Exactly. Let's jump in on this. That's an important piece of context because that that is a time when it it just dawned on everybody that comics aren't from two companies. Yeah. Comics are from everybody if you have the proper infrastructure. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, that, that's yeah. an important piece of context. Because, uh, yeah, because I can't imagine what they would have hated more than one other one because like you were saying they established and that's what's so interesting and this is i think how this whole series is going to end up going is me taking elements of this and sprinkling it in today and like hopefully dropping help and knowledge to anyone listening Mm -hmm. but that's the important thing is because i think a lot of times and you know me and ed know this a lot because we're comics and comics we talk to other young comics and black comics and there's idea where it's like, you know, there are more than one way to do anything. But I think one of the most important parts of making honest work happen is becoming that type of undeniable where it's like they want you on the team. So like you like you you can't ask, you have to demand almost where mm-hmm. and when you're in the position to demand, that's when you can make change happen. Yeah. And, and that, that's kind of what I was, I was saying when I said that they they came in with whole Bibles, the yeah. big fat Bible stack of backstory for all the characters, possible story arcs that they came so prepared that you were going to have to throw them out there with out of there with all that work done. Yeah. And and with all that potential thrown out. Yeah. And, they, and, and just think about how people used to pitch books. I guarantee you that similar level white creators did totally. not have to come in with it all the way done. Yeah. Well, that's that still today. Like, yeah. to, not to oh, yeah. change this thing, but like we've talked no, about me. Yeah. yeah, we were yeah, talking about definitely. me selling my show and I had my entire Bible. I had 10 episodes mm-hmm. mapped out. I had five season art, like what each mm. character's season arc would be. And I sold it, but, you know, and they paid for my Bible, but I can guarantee you someone has sold at a studio like, well, it's a, a guy, but um, his farts talk and uh, it's like, mm. Six seasons, Adult Swim. Dude, I, well, I've seen, I've seen, and not to be too critical of, of of women creators or anyone else, but I have seen the letter that Lena Dunham wrote that got people so interested in girls, and it's tight, but it's light. Yeah. You know? It's tight, yeah. but it's light. Well, and I think the the way to look at this, and it's so funny because I always come at it where the like, look, I'll even look. 
I'll even come from your side and I'll, I know what happened. I know you aren't actively like, I'm, I'm trying to choose one over the other. But what happens is it's easier for you to see potential in someone that looks like you because they're like, oh, they're just like me than a person of color. So then they have to show you all this potential that you now at this point is like, I can't let that get away. Like you said, mm-hmm. with all those Bibles and all that stuff, it was almost a threat. Cause it was like, all right, <laughs> yeah, no, no. If you, that, don't, that. if you don't green like this, we're gonna make this. We yeah. we have yeah. it ready to go. Mm-hmm. So they, DC was in the position where they had no choice. No, absolutely, I agree with that assessment very much. And yeah. again, it it meant a lot to us kids because when you looked at the comic book characters, all, people have ran this point into the ground. But Black Panther is a genius, kung fu, super rich king. Of a super future place. Yeah. That you get to be a black character for that. Yeah. A super hard skin, uh, ghetto superstar hero, all this kind of stuff. It's like, uh, I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like all yeah, so you either have to be the paragon of virtue or somebody who literally did crime fighting for money. Yeah. And there was almost no in between, unless you wanted to carry Captain America's shield like the Falcon did for 50 yeah. years or something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, unless you wanted to be sort of a valet for a white character or like Ebony White. In the in the old uh, uh, Will Eisner Spirit series, where he literally looked like straight Sambo style. Yeah. So we got Sambo style Super King from the future, or Negro who gives says, "Give me five dollars." <laughs> so some D- get Debo yeah. saving you in the hood. Yeah. Character, which is what Luke Cage was. Yeah. That's a whack diaspora of blackness yeah. to be choosing from. So that when you picked up a milestone comic, I saw one of them was a teenager. We're going to go into all the characters. One mm-hmm. of them was a teenager. One of them was a Republican. One of them's a lawyer. One of them's a technologist. One of them is this. It's like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we're going to really hit static because there's something very important of static. Uh, and we're going to do a static episode because he gets his own episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into Milestone Comics. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey, hey, how y'all doing? Welcome back to Nerdificent. I'm Ify Wadiway. Sitting across from me is Danny Fernandez. And sitting in with us is friend, all-around superhero of podcast and, you know, talking head shows on the internet and hilarious comedian, Ed Greer. Hey, guys, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to get it all so people know, you know? <laughs> so I'm so, it, is, it is so funny because, like, we talked about this before, but people know you from a thing so they'll always say a thing when it's like oh but i do other things i know like, no oh, it's if so you're true from buzzfeed i actually yeah. you know i'm an actor too mm-hmm. oh but you I get know it's all funny the time. i hate when people get uh hung up on something they saw you do like one time yeah. or something you do no. it on your off time like i used to go to the comedy store and when i was waiting to go up i would draw so the get the mcs start to bring me up this guy hilarious guy Great artist. You are a good artist. But, but nobody wants to hear that right before you try to make him laugh. Oh, he you about know? to make me bust up. He a great artist. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Don't nobody like, and coming up next to the stage, Vincent Van Gogh. You're doing like slam poetry. I think it's the other way that you're like, yeah, he's really vulnerable and raw. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Milestone and we're about to jump into the comics. But one thing I definitely wanted to talk about that really is a standout in this like awesome kind of power move they're able to pull with DC is the fact that even though they were published through DC Comics, they did not fall under DC Comics editorial control, which I think is very important because there's a lot of times you have black things but the people you know making the decisions are still white and there are and it's not even necessarily sometimes it's not even necessarily that they're like actively trying to prevent anything it's that they just don't get it and i've noticed in um some of my working relationships obviously none of the ones that i've done recently are on right now but I feel like when I say it like that, it makes it seem like I am <laughs> saying that, but I'm not. I'm just saying. White man, put that gun down just, behind I, like right I'm now. Try, It's just one of those things where you're trying to make a statement about working relationships <laughs> and you don't want anyone who happens to be listening and working with you to think they're talking about. Just if you think I'm talking about you, I'm not. Maybe. <laughs> but like. There's this, you know, when 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 the way you process create the way when the way you create and process, you know, the information that you use to create and the default is whiteness and it's coming from a place of blackness that may be hilarious, you know, uh, you 
you you'll be like, oh, this isn't funny. And it's like, no, you just don't get it. Like no one. No. I, I think a lot of times a lot of especially if you've been established in a comedy or as a creator, you don't want to admit that you just don't get it. And you don't know what the funny thing is. So you tell yourself, oh, it's just not funny. And I think that's what causes a lot of edits, a lot of reasons that uh, people of color are just portrayed either too perfect or horribly. Oh, true, yeah. um, I, I have a friend who remained nameless who wrote on a very popular show. Um, and he came in and he was black and there was a black character and he I remember him telling me one day and I think I've told this story before where he was like oh I know why this character is underwritten is because they're yes. always so afraid to show him in a way that they feel might come off as racist that they don't do anything at all which is mm. worse you know it's actually it, very common yeah so and I think that's that's the importance of having the decision makers be black because now you have people who are confident in their decisions that are like yeah that's fine yeah, we can show a flawed black person because I, a black person, know this isn't offensive because that we have to show, like you said, the diaspora. It can't- right. And, and what's what's really wild about all that is just to just put to wrap up this part of it is that we as black people, we as minorities, people of color, whatever the, whatever the buzzword of de rigueur yeah. is, <laughs> uh, we have a PhD in whiteology. <laughs> You know what See, I, mean? I knew you were a poet. <laughs> <laughs> so vulnerable. But like, said said the way like so seductive. But yeah. just, like, so vulnerable. <laughs> da, da, da. So, so so vulnerable. <laughs> but, but yeah, we have a PhD in whiteology just to get just to get along. Yeah. So when we have to write Superman, I can write up up and away with the best of them. But you might not be able to write what Jefferson Pierce is going through uh, as Black Lightning, and that's yeah. fine. As long as everybody admits that and people kind of no, don't just play to your strengths, try to enhance your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would be great to try to learn about other cultures the way that we are forced to. Yeah. Because there are definitely some white writers who could throw down on some black Oh, characters. yeah. I was just about to say, because I want to say it, because every time we talk about this, there I, I get a DM and it's like, look, I get, I don't, I'm not trying to dunk on you in a negative way. I get that you're really trying to get answers, but you always get the DM of being like, well, how do I write these characters of color and this, that, and should I just send it to a black? I was like, you should hang out with your black friends you should see how they act and like you know really and not from a observation like really talk to them like get because it's through connections because to to your point yeah the the guy who wrote both dolomite is my name Mm -hmm. uh and hustle and flow was white Mm -hmm. like that that's a white Uh, writer directed directed yeah it's my bad Mm -hmm. directed but like that and it's just through like it was surprising that knowing that both those movies he did because it's one where it's like oh you might have got Dolomite on on a flute but also Hustle and Flow which mm-hmm. means that you you know a little something you it, you've talked mm-hmm. to people and straight up he wrote Hustle and Flow yeah just to get it straight up he he wrote and directed Hustle and Flow which is about a Memphis pimp yeah you know what I mean yeah and it was thoroughly enjoyed by black people and i think it's the same way where it's like you know if i want to write on i was about to snitch on an idea i've had and i was like hold on uh, i ain't trying to blow my blow my load on the pod (laughs) i should use a different blue chew though right yeah Uh, to your point uh, (laughs) oh my gosh 
Sorry. I was going to say, to your point, Shout Ed, out to our um, Stephen L. Sears, who I was on a podcast with, he wrote on Xena and a bunch of yeah. other things. He was actually, oh, we were on the podcast yeah, together yeah. too. Yeah. He was saying that it's easier to write from that white male perspective because that is the lens through which all media has been told. Like that is yeah. just the fishbowl that we live in. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like what you were saying that mm-hmm. it's harder for them because that's all the media that there has been has been catered to them. That it's mm-hmm. actually easier for us, people of color, to write their stories than it is in reverse. Because well, because it, that's where we learned. Like, right. like, you know, once again, a little little nugget. A lot of times when you want to write your first pilot, what you're going to do is you're going to download popular pilots. I, I read for my first pilot, I, was, I think I, I wanted to do an ensemble, so I read through Parks and Rec, read through Little Community. What stories are those? What's the, so the, the, the foundations of me learning to create are white stories. So mm-hmm. yes, of course, but then as I move forward and I want to tell my own stories, I have the bound, I, not only do I have the foundation of no speaking their language, but also learning to speak my language and translate it into their language. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the difference, you know? Yeah. But also, but at, uh, as far as the milestone thing, add to that. The constrictions of comics. Warren Ellis has always said, comics are kind of crazy if you think about it. The fact that superheroes dominate 90% of comics is insane. It would be like if 90% of novels were about nurses in the 1800s. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I guess, a whole art form got obsessed with one style of storytelling and just went full bore into it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So basically, there are constrictions of comics. So like when you look at the Milestone universe, everybody in the Milestone universe not only has to be a unique character, has to be from the black, res- uh, black perspective or uh, minority perspective, but also they have to still fit into these rigid guidelines of what is a comic book. Yeah. You know, you got your teen character, which is Static. Mm-hmm. Static represents... Uh, sort of a Spider-Man guy, mm-hmm. like a, like oh, I'm just I'm a regular geek, you know. I read I read a little Tolkien, I read a little Heinlein, I read a little you know Octavia Butler, I read a little this, little that, and I'm a smart guy. And all of a sudden, I get superpowers. The wish fulfillment that he felt as a fan of genre fiction was almost revolutionary. And then you see like a uh, um, Blood Syndicate. Blood Syndicate was probably the I'll leave them for last because they're probably the most unique. But uh, then like you got Icon, which is Superman. You know, and yeah. you have uh, hardware, which is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's like trying to create wi- within this small structure. The fact that they were able to do so much was kind of fantastic. But yeah. So DC Comics uh, just uh, essentially had no editorial control, but they were able to uh, not publish any material they just strictly objected to. But Milestone Media, which is also a uh, very prolific retained the copyrights of their properties and had final say on all merchandising and licensing deals pertaining to them. And in essence, DC licensed the character editorial services and uh, creative content for the milestone books for an annual fee and share of a profits. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, they essentially, this truly is image walking so they can run. Because they yes. they learn from that mistake and they're like, okay, we will give you the space, we will give you the control. Because this is all like, like if you just take the the aspect of them being black out of it, this is everything Image wanted. They wanted to be able because you know this was right around the era where people started making cartoon TV shows and selling T-shirts, and they were seeing them these cre- uh, these characters they were creating being taken by their bosses and money not getting to them. Mm-hmm. So image was like, 
yo. <laughs> and then now Milestone was like, yo, and they gave him it. And yeah. it's, uh, it was, no, I was just going to say, if you don't know, we did an episode on Image Comics. So if you're not clear on the history of that and kind of how these these huge creators broke away fra- to make their own comic book company, uh, definitely check that out after you're done listening to this. Yeah, that was our <laughs> little comic book box that was like, go to issue this. <laughs> Editor's note, baby. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, uh, what I was going to say is uh, it, that's absolutely correct. And what's what's interesting about that is it's it, it's it's truly the best of both worlds you have dc and warner brothers behind you but you have creative control when you look at what image was doing it was even more like it was kind of hard for them at first they had to go through malibu comics yeah you know for a little while and then you see things like with the wildcats cartoon and different stuff that came out yeah it didn't have the support oh, yeah. of something like dc Mm-hmm. So nothing that Image could make in other forms could ever be as big as like Static Shock because Static Shock has Warner Brothers behind it. Yeah, you know, Ooh, Superman yeah. might pop up in that piece. You yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your independent, all the way independent Image comic can't really compete with that. And like I said earlier, a lot of a lot of comics creators right now start getting saltier than Mister Peanut over over this situation. Yeah, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> now he's yeah. back baby uh, nut baby nut is our new king uh, but, this baby phenomenon stop it yeah. you know I know they're ca- like I think Groot might have been one of the first yeah I know and we've forgotten about him we're so, we're so far uh, beyond him oh, oh the baby. baby Groot is like a, like when, when Gary Coleman started getting too old and they yeah. added that other kid <laughs> anyway like, like, but yeah, uh, so, you know, the Milestone brand ran story arcs around uh, action, but they would also look at race and black sexuality. Being part of DC Comics helped open a wider distribution for them, too. Uh, just another nod back at Malibu Comics. Uh, that was hard to achieve. Uh, and there was a multitude of other publishers launching New Universe who didn't receive the exposure they could have because they were billed as solely comic books for black people. Uh, boom. Uh, what, what I'd said earlier. Um but uh, the comics bust in 1994 did hurt the company, and soon uh, the founders took on more lucrative cre- careers with other comic book companies. When and then when the sales declined, Milestone closed up shop, but has gained like a cult-like following. And you know, I think the strongest one that has survived has been Static. Uh, but. Milestone uh, did continue its partnership with Warner Brothers and uh, DC. So, like, Static Shock, the animated television series, ran four seasons between 2000 and 2004. In 2010, DC printed a final run of the Dakotaverse, um, which basically was the universe that a lot of the Milestone characters lived in. Uh, and it was titled Milestone Forever, and it wrapped up the storylines of all the major characters owned by Milestone, um, which cool and all but in 2020 let's open it back up yeah <laughs> i bet they will <laughs> like, to we be honest like, well i mean well, there's I'm, some well, there's well, a little sta- drama oh yeah um yeah yeah <laughs> oh, okay which we will get into yeah. uh but one of those major characters was icon which you were talking about ed for people that are not familiar with this comic can you kind of give them a breakdown yeah Basically, it's a it's a little redo of the of the uh, Superman myth, but the interesting uh, ad- addition that they made was so there's an alien craft, a, a, a guy, uh, an alien escapes from his planet, drops here, and he's from like a weird kind of shape shifty race, basically. And when it the uh, the craft lands, it's like during at the antebellum South, so it's slavery days, uh, rocket lands, and a black slave lady 
comes up to the to the to the pod and puts her hand on it and it scans her DNA in order to approximate almost like transformer style what the dominant culture is. So they assume the dominant culture is this black woman who touches the thing. So out of this pod comes a baby, a black little baby get taken care of and it's like it's a superman but it's black. He's a black person. So he uh he kind of is extremely long lived. So when we enter the series, his name is Augustus Freeman. He's been alive since slavery days, and he is a stone cold Republican because in his day, Lincoln freed the slaves. So he's just down with the Republican Party all the way through and becomes a, a lawyer and adjudicator and a ri- really rich man, but doesn't use his superpowers for good because mm. obviously he has experienced a world where people kind of reject that aspect of him. So he turned it off and just was a regular person for like hundreds of years for like a hundred years. <laughs> I guess I'm, so was this uh McDuffie that did this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was uh McDuffie and Dennis Cowan who fun fact did the liquid swords logo for the Jizza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and also went on to do the boondocks. He helped produce the boondocks TV series. Right. So and, he, yeah, he went and, on. Yeah, so McDuffie said this. Uh, this is a quote. I try to put superheroes in situations where being strong or being able to fly or fight aren't the answers. This was in a 1996 interview with, with the Detroit Free Press. He said, we've dealt with teen pregnancy, abortion, racism and anti-Semitism. Being able to hit somebody harder doesn't help you deal with that. You will not find situations in my stories where the hero overcomes the villain merely by force of strength. Usually, usually you will find that violence escalates the problem and creates new problems. So was this comic, if he just stayed that way, was it problematic or was it except like... Well, what they did was they challenged some of those old school um, attitudes that he had because in the initial, I think the very first issue, even some some kids... And a girl that's with them sort of like just kind of going along with her thug boyfriend to kind of do what they're doing and just, oh, no, we're robbing a house. Oh, no. This girl is involved in this robbery of Augustus Freeman's house. And he comes downstairs and supers up and the other people run away. But Raquel stays. She's more or less captured by him. But she's like intrigued by him about his superness. And she's like, what's up, homie? And she basically starts to question if you're this powerful, why aren't you doing anything? You're a black Superman. What the hell is wrong with you? And the whole book is more or less through her eyes as mm. she sort of chastises Icon into assuming the mantle of a superhero because she sees it's such a waste. And she's constantly challenging his political views, challenging his uh, his his lack of motivation to help his people, challenging the fact that he uh He's got a bootstrap mentality, but he's a super powerful alien. Of course, you think that people could pull themselves by their bootstraps. You can fly, stupid. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 it was really challenging certain uh, conservative ideals. But at the same time, the very fact that a black book, totally black controlled, would have a bunch of conservative ideals in it at all. Yeah. Is amazing. It's about diversity of thought. Now, trust me, I ain't no Clarence Thomas, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, what I mean, diversity yeah. of thought is necessary and oh, important. Yeah. Well, it's it, because it's one of those things where you're kind of just kind of levying and showing like the both sides and how you may end up on this side and that side. So, mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's prolific and that's, and is this is something I'm probably going to repeat, but that sounds like uh, something that could be on air right now and would mm-hmm. blow people away. Well, that, that is the main thing. And the reason why I wanted to come on and talk to you guys about this is these people came along right at the right time, but at the wrong time. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? They come out right at the right time mm-hmm. to get their deal. Yeah. But right when people stop buying records. Yeah. If you did the metaphor. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I just got on. Yeah, that's great. People don't buy records no more. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what happened to them. They got on and they had the freedom, but like that's when the boom busted. Mm-hmm. That's when the image guys, unfortunately, started putting out a bunch of stuff, a bunch of late stuff. Yeah. People started putting a chrome cr- chrome cover on everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look at my comics. They spinning. Yeah, yeah. Look, we got spree wells on our comic. <laughs> yeah, so like they came along. It's just a matter of good timing and bad timing at the same time, but also they were way ahead of their time in the diversity of thought and the, uh, like they, they took on corporate stuff with hardware hard the character of hardware in there was a genius kid who uh, a guy a like super rich guy sponsored him and said hey kid i'll give you some money to go to the gifted school and just helped him out just a real like benefactor type you know white benefactor mr drummond situation and when that kid grew from 15 to like 20 to 25 he ended up working at that guy's company and making all these uh, uh, patents and ideas and all this stuff just brilliant engineering and he goes to his boss and goes, hey, the character's name is Curtis Metcalf. He goes, hey, can uh, I'm Curtis Metcalf, your, your ward. I made you billions of dollars. Can I get a couple points? And he's like, let me make something clear. You're not my family. You're a tool. I bought a tool and the tool's working well. So screw off. You don't get nothing. Peace. And then that caused him to be like, well, damn, that's really disrespectful. I really feel bad about that. And then he starts to look into his boss's activities and sees that his boss is a super criminal who has has his fingers on all these pies. He's like a real uh, Machiavellian spider type. And so he, the Curtis Metcalf character, true to the call, you know, the the circular thing of storytelling, he doesn't just launch into a thing to fight his boss. He goes and tries to tell the FBI, the Securities Commission, he sends them evidence that this dude is bad. And when they do nothing. That is when he creates the hardware suit, which is basically, I don't want to call it Black Iron Man, but let's, yeah. call, it, let's, let's call an Iron Man an Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's when he starts taking on, you know, the evil of his boss and his boss has all this technology and stuff. So it's like, it's this corporate battle and physical battle, but he only did it because the system failed him. Yeah. You hear that, Joker fans? That's, <laughs> that's the actual system failing somebody. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we're just getting so into it. Let's take that quick break. But when we get back, we're going to be charged up like we all, all our brains took a blue chew. What it do? <laughs> this is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but like I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty, beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. And we're back, still talking about Milestone Comics. I know. So we talked about Icon, a little bit of hardware, uh, which all these things are exciting. And in the end, because these all sound like great shows, but there are rights things because everyone who made it do retain the copyright. So in a lot of these people, this was the 90s. They're still alive. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, and we'll get to... uh, there was that that whole rights thing. It kind of came into play with the like the closing the book on it. Because um, I guess Robert Townsend too had a little action. Well, there, there's been attempts by uh, people like you know Reginald Hudlin. Yes, um, that's who know, I'm thinking of. My people bad. like that to uh, and maybe even Townsend at some point, but uh, to kind of redo the universe since the copyrights are still sort of there. You could theoretically redo the universe, but then there's some I think rights issues because they tried to do. Uh, the milestone universe as they did a retcon. DC makes so many universes that when they just want everybody to fold into the the main team, mm-hmm. they just go, "Well, Superboy punched a prism in space, and <laughs> now now everybody's on the same team, yeah. and, and now you can go talk to do whatever." So all the universes are combined. So basically, they tried to do a run where like Icon has always been here with Superman, but like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like th- th- this two Supermans, two Iron Man type guys, the static. Th- it just didn't make sense for those people. I hate the separate and unequal, or separate but equal. I hate all of that. But Dakotaverse really was a more complex place yeah. than the DC universe. Yeah. So combining them, that form of integration really dulled the 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 fine blade that yeah. was milestone i mean yeah just the and i was just so for those who don't know i've been writing on sci-fi great debate so i've been literally looking at nerd stuff daily uh writing jokes about them but i was just looking um because i'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't spoil the thing that is probably going to be in the show but like essentially i was looking at the um the geology or is that is that is that the word i'm looking for geography the geography of like marvel versus dc whereas like dc has such weird geography like gotham used to be in new jersey like that's that's where it was originally stated to be it was a city just outside of new jersey there was a picture on the us map and then it became its own place and then metropolis is its own place and so like yeah, I, to kind of echo Ed's point, like there's no way to fit the Dakota verse in there because it's already hard enough to fit the actual mm-hmm. 
country that these planes leave on. Whereas like Marvel did the smart thing of like where, and I guess this Stanley quote is if, uh, Spider-Man broke his arm in Fantastic Four, then in the next Spider-Man issue, he still needs that broken arm. Mm-hmm. Like he, uh, he Stan Lee from the beginning was like, no, this has to make sense mm-hmm. if this is supposed to be a world where DC, they never cared about it. It was all supposed to be just one-off stories for mm-hmm. all of their properties. And then when Marvel started doing it, because that's how businesses, DC tried to do it, and now it's just... Super convoluted. Yeah, and DC also uh, blended other universes they bought, like mm-hmm. they had, you know, other comic book universes they tried to fold in, and it was just like, 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 why is Shazam running around with Superman? Like, literally, what? <laughs> you know? It's like yeah. they just look at, they point at each other like the Spider-Man meme. You know, <laughs> honestly, they could do it, but it'd be a hard overhaul, and they'd have to do what Marvel did, which is have their cabal of writers sit down <laughs> and discuss these things. Oh, I think they might eventually do that in, oh, yeah. the, oh, no, with, yeah. uh, in the DCU. Oh, yeah, definitely. A thousand percent. Because mm-hmm. those are the, I mean, his film was one of the best, yep. best that came out mm-hmm. uh, in their new saga along with Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um. So we talked a little bit about Static Ed, that you said is like a Spider-Man uh, archetype. Yes. Uh, he also was incorporated into the DC universe and became a member of Teen Titans. Can you talk a little bit more about his character? Well, basically, uh, Virgil Hawkins was kind of... It- you know, in comic books, there's always nerds because nerds supposedly are the people who read comics. And it's, you know, the stereotype is true in a lot of uh, instances. And I'm glad yeah. that we're living in the the years of the nerds. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm glad we're living at the, the I want to say revenge because that's a problematic film. But yeah. <laughs> but like we're in the years of the nerds yeah. with a Z on it, baby. Yeah. It's hip hop. Oh, but, yeah. but yes, uh, uh, Virgil was like a nerd. A uh, 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 person, almost like how they're trying to do Billy Batson and Shazam now. Now that mm-hmm. I think about it, a person who dreams or, or, or would like be like us, dreams of power fantasies, dreams yeah. of being super, and then you mess around and get super. Yeah, you know, and that type of personality has a different reaction to becoming super. Oh, yeah. There's a different sort of responsibility because they're they're um, they're familiar with the fiction. You know, they're familiar with the responsibilities of it, so he didn't have to get taught. Mm-hmm. That you have to go be a superhero. Right. He knew he had to, but it was also still problematic. And it's also like, you know, your black mama don't don't. Aunt, Aunt May went to sleep at seven and didn't know what was going on. And yeah. Peter could go do everything. Virgil had a black mama. So <laughs> it was a lot of machinations to get out the house to go. Oh, yeah. Well, that and that, that's the fun of it. And I, I like it's there's. Everything I know, there's no way to really make this pop off, so I feel comfortable just openly talking about it. But, like, after watching Black Panther, I went home and wrote a pitch for Static. Mm. I wrote, I made a whole deck. I, like, broke down the characters. Like, I was ready because I just uh, had a contact. I couldn't, like, do it. Mm. And it was kind of, and it was funny because the whole idea, the whole energy around the pitch was, guys, this is y'all Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. This is y'all Spider like that was the pitch. This is y'all Spider Man. Like no 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 no, look at Homecoming. You done mm-hmm. watching? Come back. This mm-hmm. is y'all Spider Man. Exactly. And and so like and so and that's what makes Virgil so cool is because you know to go back to that old 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 uh, at this point now Donald Glover quote where he's like. Mm. It was so weird that people didn't think Spider Man could be black that they didn't believe that there's a black kid from Queens without parents who's really into science you know mm-hmm. that is uh, if if you took the hero that everyone loved out of it and was like this is the 
elements of a kid. That's that's what makes it more offensive is you would paint that as a black kid. You're like, oh, he doesn't have parents and he's in in Queens. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a black, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. but but you put a character that everyone wants to be. <laughs> then then all of a sudden you're like, no, that's a, definitely a white thing. Yeah, and, and just just really quickly about his his overall story. Bottom line, he was a nerd kid. His friend was a big jock. Mm-hmm. His friend was getting outside pressure to do gang stuff mm-hmm. and ended up in a thing called the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Now, get your minds out of the gutter or out of space. Uh, the Big Bang was a, a, an event where all the gangs of Dakota, warrior style, decided to get together and fight. Now, they may have been pushed into that by other forces, but the bottom line is they got together to do a big fight. And at that big fight, the cops had wind of it. And this uh, secret organization that I'm forgetting now had wind of it too. And so they thought, well, let's just eliminate all these fools. And or let's drop some stuff on them that will pacify them and ruin them. But it's a super special mutagen, basically. So bottom line, all the gangbangers are fighting warrior style. Like, can you dig it? Imagine that scene. Can you dig it? And then the cops show up throwing gas canisters of super mutagenic gas and it killed everybody. People just died. It was horrible. It was like 1917. It was horrible. Yeah. But the people that survived got unpredictable superpowers. And Virgil had gone to the Big Bang to try to save his friend. Yeah. And that's how he was exposed to the gas. So he got superpowers and a multitude of other people in the city who were not heroic types, yeah. were not immersed in the fiction, were not good people, you know, got a lot of powers. So that became the rogues galleries and all the different, a lot of the yeah. other characters in the whole Milestone universe. And Blood Syndicate. Yes. Right? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, they were a street gang that uh, I think... And a majority of them lived for uh, for some reason. They had something, something in their makeup. A lot of their members died, but a lot of them lived. And the Blood Syndicate were unlike Virgil. They didn't have a lot of book learning and all this jazz. They were just a straight up street gang that was. The, the, I think they were called the Paris Bloods, and they were trying to take care of their little patch of land. And so they went to the gang like the warrior style to do their thing. And the mutagen got on them. Uh, they became a gang with superpowers. So they did what a gang would do. They went and beat up their enemies. And then, but the thing is, the community started seeing them as like, well, y'all got all this power. Why don't you help us? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yes, we'll give you your gang tribute. That's fine. But help us, please. Yeah. So then they start busting down crack houses and stuff. And then, but unlike a lot of heroes, they would take the money. Yeah. <laughs> they would burn up the crack and take the money. Yeah. So yeah, it was like when I, when I was, just think about reading stuff like this when you're 10 when you're 12, when you're 15 or whatever. Just think about reading something like this at that time, how it like forms your mind as to like all these concepts can go with reality. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be so, so, so sucrose, so, so saccharine, so mm-hmm. fakeology. It doesn't yeah. have to be that. It could be reality, reality and the real stresses of life. But again, who would bring that to the table? But minority creators yeah you know because we have to deal with reality while we're you know we don't have sabbaticals to think about all our projects we don't get to backpack in europe very much yeah and think and form who we are you know really get into it we don't have a lot of time for navel gazing we have to deal with real reality while we're trying to make our dreams happen so yeah that was it and i did want to shout out one last uh, comic before we start closing up which was zombie with an axe. Yeah. And it was about a Korean American scientist. Yep. So that that was cool because it's like, you know, and, and that's one of the, the I think, lessons I want to take away from all this where it's like, you don't have to just stop with your, uh, with skin folk 
You know, you can mm-hmm. you can you can branch out without and also use that ability to represent others, uh, which I thought was real dope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't stop at that, and and they also they didn't stop at black black people weren't perfect in this. Yeah, in the in the Blood Syndicate comic, they find out that one of their compadres, who's a male, they find out that he actually got super when he got superpowers, he changed his sex because he was a woman, and he always knew that he was a man. So when he got the power or yeah, when he got the power to change himself from biologically female to biologically male, he took that chance. But when people found out that he that uh, he was that way, there were some problems. There wasn't always automatic acceptance. Yeah. Uh, One of the uh, team members was was a a Puerto Rican and black, I think, guy named Fade, Mm -hmm. who was like sort of an intangible vision type character and stuff uh, who was gay and was hiding it. You know, uh, one, there's a character called Flashback who was a literal crackhead. And I know how funny that can sound. Yeah. But you're trying to do super missions, but you're trying to squirrel away some crack, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just the problems. It just yeah. keep calling me, man. Yeah. You know, that that whole thing. To try to be a superhero that's straight up on crack. They had a num- another member named uh, Boogeyman who was a, a rat. He had turned into a humanoid rat. When somebody comes in, takes their powers away one day, they find out he's white. And they, they're very prejudiced against him and try to kick him out of the group before cooler heads prevail. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying? So it's just, it's yeah. not about how black people are so perfect and white people are so evil and da da yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. There's anti this and anti that. Anti blackness from black people. Yeah. Anti, you know, uh, anti poor people sentiments from black characters or ostensibly black characters. It was so complex. It was almost like it had to die. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was too complex. Yeah. The world wasn't ready for it. Right. Oh, man. That's, that's, freaking beautiful so director of house parties ladies man baby kid reggie hudlin uh in 2011 organized a launch party at golden apple los angeles down the street uh for his website Dwayne mcduffie shortly following the release of his animated adaptation of all-star superman was scheduled to appear at the event cowan would be there too mcduffie tragically passed a day before his scheduled appearance and the loss, uh, the launch party turned into a memorial for McDuffie. Hudlin said it was supposed to go from seven to nine and ended up starting at six. As soon as I got there, there was a mob around the block and went to about 11 o'clock. It just kept going and going. At a certain point, it seemed like every black creator on the West Coast was in the room. We all gave remarks about Dwayne. It was a celebration. Joyce, it was all these things. Golden Apple had ordered all these extra books for the event. And by the end of the night, the stocks were bare. You could not find a copy of Black Panther or any black character. The place was just stripped. The, my biggest regret in life is that I w- couldn't be here. <laughs> you know, that mm-hmm. this, that this event has passed me and I couldn't have been there because, I mean, like, a, like there are a few events like this that are just moments that you missed. One of those moments was when Carl and Lamar flew out to SNL for Eddie's uh, wow. joint and was at the after party. Mm. And I was like, okay, y'all couldn't, y'all couldn't give a memo, huh? Y'all couldn't get a memo. That's very cool. <laughs> mm. You know, but yeah. So, uh, but a couple weeks later, many of the same names assembled at a more traditional memorial for McDuffie. And after the event, Derek goes to Dennis and myself and says, uh, it's been too long. We have to restart Milestone. We're not just going to be a legacy company, a company Hudlin said. There'll be some fantastic creations 
made. We're going to certainly revive characters, but uh, we're not just going to revive them. We're going to make them relevant for the generation. And uh, so, so they were getting ready to just do this reboot. But then two years of legal battles uh, with DC followed. And the following July, DC Comics announced the creation of Earth M within their multiverse, which would be home to the earlier milestone characters as well as new ones. And one or two Earth M imprint titles would publish annually annually as uh, as well as miniseries and one shots uh, no further developments took place until october 2017 and that's when they uh, uh re- would be returning in 2018 with five titles including milestone a new static series duo which was based off of zombies and two other titles earth m and love army but then charlotte uh charlotte fulton dwayne mcduffie's widow who in- inherited uh his 50 percent share to the original milestone sued in august 2017 over being excluded from the revived company despite the new uh, milestone taking over the original milestones ip so that's kind of where it kind of lasts that's the last we've kind of heard of milestone and that's kind of why i think a lot of milestone stuff and you know there people were trying to people were asking if static would show up in the black lightning series and stuff what but like right but now we but it's issues like that because yeah they do all share part of that and now they're kind of dealing with that i hope to see some more of them in the future uh well it's it's one of those things where i think it'll get worked out once they decide once they know and get some good development on some of the one thing i gotta say though this i I like reginald hudland i know reginald hudland i have had (laughs) meetings with reginald hudland i have been attached to projects with reginald hudland okay Reggie, right, but, hold on. Yeah, yeah. You sure you want to say this? I'm the ready to say it. Okay, Re- Reggie. The only part where Reggie's wrong in this, yeah. is that every comic company is a nostalgia business. Yeah, all of these storylines in every single one of these comic books that are 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, closest to, to being of now is Civil War. Yeah, Civil War was was published in Marvel in like 2008, 2006, mm-hmm. something like that. So that's still 14 years old, but almost by the time it gets on screen. So it's like 20 year old and 30 year old and 40 year old things are literally what we're building these universes around. Yeah. So the milestone comics that from my goofy youth, as is are revolutionary as I have just elucidated yeah. just now. You know what I mean? Through this oh, yeah. podcast. So you can see that they were far ahead of their time, which means they write on time yeah. for right now. Oh yeah. All this, this concept of updating them, I just think it's not it's not necessarily wrong headed. Obviously there's gonna be some modifications yeah. that have to be made, but to say that they need an overhaul to be palatable to people of, of the now yeah. is a little to me a little silly. Yeah, I feel based on everything we talked about in this episode, I think you can almost put icon out as is. A, a black Republican, Dude. At, you know, with all the infighting in within our communities now, you know, I think across People of color, not and just black people. Just all imagine, are just imagine him having to go. Somebody asking Icon, "How can you still be a Republican, given what's going on right now?" Yeah, and him having to give an honest answer or do something with the superpowers to change that. Yeah, just imagine that. Story. I also want to say I might be working on something that has a black Republican, and that started before this conversation. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, full just disclosure. Just want to say yeah. that. Well, full disclosure: um, I'm about to write a blessed movie tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Um, also, speaking of um, if your sci-fi is a great debate, uh, Reginald Hudlin shared my great debate video, so he will always have a soft spot in my heart, and also he follows me, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's a brilliant person. No, you know? I know. Yeah, so, so, so but just that 
point. I just think it's like we kind of get told that yeah. we have to change so much that even somebody as much in the industry as him and as great as him can be kind of told a couple things a few too many times yeah. where they kind of seep in. And I just think he knows that we we could drop these joints right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to call him after this. We're like, hey, Reggie, come on. We can drop yeah, these yeah, joints yeah. right let's, now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's time to say goodbye to everyone and, you know, uh, get 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 back to getting where the getting's wow, good. Wow, wow. Uh, Ed, where can people find you? Did you hear that slurp when I was slurping down <laughs> no, this No, that's not what I was. I was just trying to cut off Iffy before he said something that we'd have to cut off anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know what you'd have to cut off? No. Uh, where can we catch you, Ed? 15. Uh, no. You can check me out on uh, Screen Junkies at 11 Pacific Standard Time every Monday and Tuesday. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. It's got about 7 million subscribers. We talk about pop culture news, and I seem to be the uh, minister of hot takes Love it. <laughs> over there. And uh, you can also check me out at Ed Greer Destroys on Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, you see my art and my podcast promos. And on uh, Twitter, you see my goofy thoughts. And uh, last things last, I have a podcast called Nerd Goat Podcast where we talk to interesting people like yourself about their favorite fictional character. I love it. It's going strong. we got a strong Patreon it's paying a couple bills every month. Nice. You know what I'm saying? Hey. It's, like, it's like a real, real thing. But last things last, we have a thing called Reboot It, which I'm very proud of. It's our YouTube channel, me, Billy Business from Screen Junkies, and my two compadres, Ron Swallow and Bill Costanzo from uh, Nerd Goat. We sit in a room, and John Peters, the legendary producer, has put us in this room. And he gives us a dictate that we must reboot Back to the Future in an hour. We must reboot James Bond in an hour. We must reboot Star Wars in an hour. And we do it. We do it in an hour and one take, one continuous take, no editing. And it's just, it's a fantastic thought experiment. I would really like people to check it out. Reboot it, YouTube page, reboot it. Love it. So cool. Um, And I need to come back on Nerd Goat. Oh, yeah. You know, we're going to do villains this time. So both of you guys are going to come on and do your favorite fictional villains. It's Mm. it's called Nerd Goat Goes Evil. Mm. My guy's kind of a villain, but... Well, Virginia's just misunderstood. No, he's he's a he's a hero now. Uh, I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez on all the things, y'all. I wrote in a book called The Good Immigrant, which I've promoted here and there the last year. It's a collection of essays from authors of color, and now it's on Audible. So you can hear me. You love my voice so much. You can hear me read my essay because uh, now you can get it on Audible and all of the authors, I think, except for maybe just one because um, of scheduling conflicts. You can listen to them uh, read their essay. It's also out on paperback. So check that out. And Iffy, where can everyone catch you? You can catch me at Iffy Wadiway on Twitter and Instagram. If on Twitch every night, Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific time on Super Punch, E-League Super Punch powered by Twitch. We're doing weird stuff. Pop by uh, and see how many times I reference Bible Black. Uh, But, you know, like we always say every week at the end of the episode and time it perfectly, stay Stay nerdy. nerdy. We did. (laughs) Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.